Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show. Separating facts from fiction. We're going to repeal it and replace it. And and it'll be great health care for much less money. We can have the benefits that were promised to them without any change whatsoever. But if we keep kicking the can down the road, keep digging the hole deeper, burying that deficit more, that's much harder to keep that kind of a commitment. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Susan's calling from Kansas City, Missouri. Marcia from Pittsburgh. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy, just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. By the way, we want to welcome our newest station. We're up to 148 affiliates, thanks to all of you and our listening audience. Our newest station, 1250 WHNZ in Tampa Bay, Florida, Tampa Bay's impact station. Thanks to all the folks at Radio America, our syndicator, and iHeartRadio for getting us on in Tampa Bay. We're pretty excited about that. Uh, I've been there, actually done some shows in that station, so we're very happy to have uh, the folks in Tampa as part of our audience. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. If you want information on anything we talk about today or you have a question or something I can help you with, the website is americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can like me on Facebook. There's a lot of information up there as well. It's very simple. It's Cary, C-A-R-Y, Hall. That's it. That's all you have to do um, if you want information. We post a lot of information on the Facebook page as well. And obviously on the website, we've got videos, we've got blogs, we've got a whole host of topics up there that you can uh, get information on and learn about. Speaking of which, we have a brand new topic today. Welcome in studio with me today, Heath Potter and Scott Ray from Six Degrees Health. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. In here from Portland, Oregon this morning. We're very happy to have them on the air and, and uh, to be part of the show today. So this is a show I've wanted to do for some time. You know, I get a lot of inquiries, a lot of questions, a lot of people talk to me about what can I do to control cost and how can I have cost containment without impacting my employees and taking away their benefits. So what I'm talking about is how do you do that without cost shifting? We all know how that works, right? You raise the deductible, you raise the co-pays, you raise the amount of money the employees have to contribute. Um, but that only works for a certain period of time, and a lot of times it doesn't work at all. So we're going to talk about Six Degrees Health today, the programs that they have. These are cost containment programs, reference-based pricing programs, and specialty network programs that help you control cost and do it in a very unique way. So if you want to learn how you can do that and what it can do for you, your company, if you're a broker, um, if you're a consultant, uh, if you're a TPA, uh, this is an opportunity to listen and learn as we talk to the experts today from Six Degrees Health. So with that, Heath, why don't we start just by explaining what is reference-based pricing so they get some understanding in the audience of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so reference-based pricing is a, a method of looking at a claim. Uh, traditionally, uh, most people are familiar with uh, like a PPO-type network where uh, the PPO provides a, a network contract to a hospital, uh, and then the bill is issued, and then they discount that by some percentage of uh, amount. And that, you know, so you're coming top down. 
Problem space pricing says, why are we doing this? Is there a better way of going about it? And is there a true benchmark? Because if you're to look across hospitals, uh, even in the same county, you'll still be you'll see build charges all over the board for the specific DRG. So the same services are being billed differently, hospital to hospital. We go in and find a, a benchmark, and that benchmark is CMS or for Medicare. And then we will take that and go up from that point. So let's say it's 140% of Medicare. And what this does is ultimately levels the playing field and takes away this arbitrary build scenario that you see between hospitals. Uh, and that, in a nutshell, is reference-based pricing. And you see a, a significant reduction in what you're paying when you put this type of system in place, typically 20 to 45% less than what your current uh, design would be. So, Scott, what's interesting here to me is there is a complete lack of transparency <clears throat> um, on the hospital side. Right. You've got hospitals like Barnes-Jewish and St. Louis, great hospital, do a lot of good things, okay, mm -hmm. but they absolutely refuse uh, to provide any transparency into their charge master and their costs and how they bill, what they bill. And it's like he said, you can have uh, a, a knee transplant or a hip transplant at a hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma that might be rated one of the best hospitals in the country, and maybe it's a third or a fourth the price of what you're going to pay to go to a hospital uh, in another city and have exactly the same thing done uh, with the exact same materials. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, hospital pricing is is not very transparent. And a lot of it has to do with just the dynamics of, of healthcare and how it's delivered. If you're walking into the emergency room, for example, as a patient, um, you're really not interested in the price. Um, and <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> Oftentimes when you go to the hospital, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't really, if it's a scheduled service, you're going to get a knee replacement, of course you know. But oftentimes you go to your provider, you don't know exactly which services you're going to get, which makes it difficult for a hospital to say, this is how much it's going to cost. Um, but like you had mentioned, one of the things that we see across the country are just huge variations. And even in Kansas City, we can see a a hospital charging on average three times what Medicare would reimburse them overall. Uh, and we'll see a hospital 12 to 15 times Medicare for the same service. Um, and so it, it's the, the free market economic uh, uh, variables don't really apply to the, the hospital um, industry and reference-based pricing does help to address that problem. Yeah, it's Heath. It's wildly inconsistent. It's it's just like Scott said. You've got one hospital that charges four times what the what the Medicare base is. In other words, what Medicare reimburses at, and you've got another hospital that's doing it at one hundred and thirteen times whatever that is. So it, it's it's it, there is no transparency to it, unfortunately. Um, and again, if you're relying on the carrier to negotiate a price from carrier to carrier, that doesn't tell you anything about what you're actually paying, right? No, exactly. And, you know, the carriers, um, they're not always incentivized to, to address it. You know, they're oftentimes being reimbursed based on uh, a percentage of savings that they create. So if the hospital's billing more and they can save more, um, everybody looks good, right? We're looking at this from the bottom up. Uh, we're taking that data, and we do have the ability to break through and, and provide transparency. We've got a, a software tool we call Medivy, and that allows us to see what that data looks like. So the people that we're working with uh, in creating reference-based solutions have access to that, and we're using that in our, when we're doing our repricing, and we can see exactly what their cost structures look like. 
um, where Medicare is reimbursing. And that does le- that does level the playing field. Scott? Yeah, and, and speaking of, of networks, I, I think it if you stop and think about a network and, and think about who the network's client is, most people would say, of course, it's the health plan. But really, I, I say that the networks are really catering to the hospitals because if, if, if I don't have a hospital in my network or hospitals start leaving my network, I don't have a product to sell. Right. Right. And so in terms of incentivization to uh, control costs, if I'm a, um, a network and my costs go up, I can pass that cost on to my health plans by raising my premiums. And if I'm the CEO of a network uh, and I want to grow my revenues, if I keep raising my premiums, my top line revenue is going to continue to go up. I don't know a lot of CEOs who are too interested in shrinking their their revenue. <laughs> You're right, and I don't and I don't think a lot of people understand that uh, th- that the hospitals th- this pricing is arbitrary. They can do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once they negotiate it with the carrier, it, it may it may be one thing for Blue Cross, it may be another for Aetna, it may be another for United, it may be another for Humana. Um, and, and, and it's very difficult. Clients don't see it. Brokers can't see it because we don't, we don't have the, the, the tools that you have with Medivy and the rest of it he, to, to get an understanding. So this tool that you have, Medivy, allows you to actually go in and see what they're charging and how they're charging it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we, we've got a research agreement with uh, the federal government, CMS, so we're able to capture large amounts of claim data, hundreds of millions of claims that we then parse into this tool. And then that allows our analysts, uh, ourselves, and the brokers, consultants, and administrators that we work with to, uh, to see that. So, so that's how it works. That's how it works. Right. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to ask uh, Heath and Scott to explain exactly how Six Degrees Help goes in, puts a program together like this, and what do they do when a claim comes in? How does that work? Okay. We're going to talk about that. Then we're also going to talk about the specialty health care services that they offer for things like cancer, transplants, heart, those kinds of issues. So we come back from the break. We'll talk more about that. The website, if you want to learn more, is 6degreeshealth.com. By the way, it's the number six, not the word six, the number 6degreeshealth.com. There's a ton of information up there. You go on the website and learn a lot about what's going on. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. I'll be right back with more with my guests. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIE Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, send me an email. I'm happy to answer it, and I'll get to it as quickly as I can. I get a couple of hundred a day, so I don't answer each one of them the same day. But as I always say, I do answer each and every one of them. Our producer, the always perfect Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment... We're going to continue the conversation with the folks from Six Degrees Health. Their website is the number six, degreeshealth.com. If you want to learn about this, if you're a consultant and you're a broker, 
you know, you've probably talked to some of the, maybe you've talked to some of the other reference-based pricing companies. Maybe you've looked at their models. I would urge you to take a look at this model from the standpoint of how they package what they do. And we'll talk about that here in the next couple of segments. If you're an employer and you're curious about this, how would this work? You know, how, how, would, how would I introduce this? How would I put it in place? Go to the website, sixdegreeshealth.com. They've got a ton of information up there, um, and you can learn a lot. Send them an email, reference, or contact them, and they'll be happy to have someone get in touch with you. All right, so why don't we start, Heath, with how did you guys start this thing, okay? And, and, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, no, I think, that, uh, I think it's a unique story because I think it has really created who we are today. Um, Myself and Scott uh, and several other the executives on the, the Six Degrees team uh, started out in the uh, cost containment 16 to 20 years ago, depending on which one of us you're talking about. And back then we were creating centers of excellence. So we were looking at specific pet procedures, let's say transplant, um, and using the data that was available, which is a lot in that transplant space. It's a very unique area of cost containment because the federal government regulates organ allocation. And because of that, they can require the participating transplant centers to, to make this data available. And if you know how to access it and you know what to do with it, it gives you a, unique, a very unique position to affect these large claims. Uh, you can look at it from quality perspective. You can look at it from uh, redirecting a patient based on wait times. Uh, you have huge variability across the country. You might be looking at a, a six-year wait time for a liver and uh, the Stanford area, or you could get that same transplant in uh, two months down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida at Mayo Clinic. So, you know, that's a lot of care that you've just eliminated. On the other side, the transparency side, that allows you to very effectively contract. And so we were using that data then to uh, basically have a huge impact on these large claims. And in 2012, uh, Scott broke away, started Six Degrees with that same mindset that we should be able to do this if we can get the data. And that's where the start of MetaV became. Um, we went out, found that data, created a software platform that allowed us to use this data. We parse it into this tool, um, and then that allows us to see the data. So now we're doing this outside of just the COE space, uh, which would be centers of excellence, but in all areas of claim. And we've applied it to our reference-based product. So we can see what the cost structure looks like at a hospital for a given claim. We can see where they're being reimbursed by uh, CMS. And we've also incorporated a quality overlay into this. So now we're bringing that quality spectrum back into other areas of claim. And we've applied those same methodologies and it's been incredibly effective. And that's really where, where we got our start. But this is uh, 2018 now and we've continued to add new products in our specialty network. So more than just what we're doing in transplant. And obviously the reference-based solution has really taken off. Um, yeah, it's become huge. Yeah. There's a huge amount of interest in this across the country. You know, with some of the biggest uh, uh, captives like Pareto and Berkeley and East Coast underwriters kind of led the way in terms of getting people introduced to this and putting it in place and make it work. And now we're seeing standalone, you know, employers that have standalone self-funded. This is the next step in cost containment that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. So, so talk a little bit about Scott, about who you guys serve. Then I want to come back to something that, 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 uh, that he said, and we're going to talk about transplants again, but let's just yeah. talk about who you who who are you trying to serve in the market? Sure. Uh, and, and before <laughs> I get there, speaking of how big reference-based pricing is, just recently, North Carolina, the state came out and uh, announced that they were going to do reference-based pricing. Uh, the state of Montana has also been doing reference-based pricing. So you're starting to see uh, even government entities um, follow this solution. But in terms of who our clients are, when you're talking about reference-based pricing, 
uh, it's it's such a dramatic shift, and there's there's changes that need to be made to the plan document. We work really uh, very closely with brokers and consultants um, to implement the reference-based pricing solution. If you're talking about our catastrophic solutions, such as uh, you know six, seven-figure uh, complex medical claims, then we're primarily working with the the excess community or your stop-loss carrier, reinsurance carrier. So I want to go back to something uh, that you said a minute ago I thought was kind of interesting. You, you mentioned getting a liver transplant in Stanford and having to wait six years. So the, the story that comes to mind to me is Steve Jobs, okay? So Steve Jobs needs a liver transplant, and he's going to wait six years to get it done to Stanford. But he goes to, it was either Tennessee or Kentucky. I can't remember which one it was. He went down to Tennessee, maybe he, Vanderbilt. Thank you. Is that right? Right, okay. and, and, and got it done uh, in, in, in six months, whatever the case may be. So one of the things I think is interesting is folks don't really understand how this works. So, you know, you mentioned using liver transplant issue and use Mississippi. Talk about how you know that, okay, and how quality comes into that, not necessarily price, but you're talking about going from a six-year wait time to maybe a one-year wait time. And then what what is the outcome-based ratios in those hospitals, and how do you know that? Well, uh, we've been doing this a long time, so I know that <laughs> it's just off the top of my <laughs> I head. I know how you know. I don't know. I don't know all the all those stats, but the uh, there's a lot of data. Especially if if you're going to talk about healthcare and where's transparency, uh, transplant is is the epicenter of that, where you see lots and lots of transparency. And that again goes back to the federal government regulating organ allocation through the UNOS program, and and so that data is available, and it's something that our our quality folks are looking at. And the plans that we work with, we have the ability through creativity and the benefit design to help steer people to, to centers with better outcomes, shorter wait times. And that's something that they have the power to do. Most people don't recognize that. They don't realize that you have the ability to channel a patient to another center that may be in a different, uh, you know, UNOS region, which is the United Network of Organ Sharing, um, to get that transplant. And all it costs is a plane ticket. So those are things that that we're looking at, and it's incorporated right into our reference-based solution as well. So everybody that's on our reference-based program gets access to this, or you can use it on a standalone basis. Scott? Yeah, the other thing, too, speaking of Steve Jobs, a lot of people don't realize that you can list or you can get on a wait list for an organ transplant at multiple centers. Right. Uh, you just have to have the means to get there in time. And, if, of course, if you're Steve Jobs and you have access to a private <laughs> jet, you can get anywhere It really wasn't to. an issue for him. Right. Yeah. So, but but it, but what what I think is fascinating about this is what you said a minute ago. Heath, people don't know. Okay, it's the access to information that you guys provide. Um, you know, if somebody's in need of a liver transplant and they've got a choice between a six year wait and a six month wait, it's fairly obvious that they're going to be uh, more interested in a six month wait than they are six year wait. And that's the kind of information that that I think is important for people to get. If you want to learn more about these folks and how they do what they do, the website is the number six degreeshealth.com. Six degreeshealth.com. Their website's got a ton of information on it. You can contact them from the website. They'll be happy to get in touch with you. And this is an a la carte program. So you can do the reference based pricing pricing program. Think I did radio, wouldn't you? Or you can do uh you know the the uh, the, the a la carte program for uh, specialty care transplants cancer, heart, and all the rest of it. So there are many options in it in terms of how it works.
works, and, and, and you have those options. If you go to the website, you'll find all that. We'll be right back after the break. When we come back, I'm going to actually ask them to walk us through what's the claims process and how does it work. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HIA radio network across the Fruited Plain. If you have questions for me, you can go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Send me an email if you've got a question. I'm happy to get an answer back to you. You can also go to the Facebook page, Carrie Hall, C-A-R-Y Hall, and you can uh, contact me that way if you wish. We'd be happy to chat with you. If there's a topic you want to hear about, send me an email. We'll see if we can't get somebody on the air to chat about it with you. My producer, Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Carrie Hall, in studio with me today, the folks from Six Degrees Health. That's the number six, degreeshealth.com. That's the website. All their information is up there. You know, you're listening to this, you're going, gee, I wonder if we could do this. I wonder if it'd make any sense for us. It doesn't cost you anything to go take a look at it, and it doesn't cost you anything to have these people come out and chat with you. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 this is not a hard sales process. Uh, what they do is they give you the information and show you what they think they can do, and then it's up to you to decide if it's something you want to do. And remember what I said, this is all a cart. So maybe you decide, you know, I've got 100 employees, I've got 50 employees, whatever the case may be, and um, maybe we just had a liver transplant. Maybe we just had some other issue like that. Um, take a look at this. You might be surprised what you learn. You might also be surprised how your employees respond to something like this, especially if they see it as a way to improve their health care benefits. All right. So with that, um, Scott, let, let's, um, <clears throat> I have an employer. I decide, okay, I, I think I want to do this. Yeah. So um, I, I know I'm getting killed. Okay. And I, I, and the numbers keep going up. And even though I'm on self-funded, mm-hmm. um, I had a couple of bad years where I had at least one bad year where my, my catastrophic claims were off the page. Um, and now um, I just got hit with a reinsurance premium of 19, 20% increase, and my expected claims costs for next year are going to jump another 10 or 12%. And how do I sustain that? So I look at this and I go, you know what? Maybe this reference-based pricing thing with their specialty hospital services and all the rest of it work. How does it work? Right. So the the first step is, of course, we're going to work with uh, the plans broker consultant to modify the plan document to have the the legal foundation to be able to do reference-based pricing and, and eliminate the networks. The The next critical step is really uh, education to the employees, the members of the health plan, because it, it's they need to know where and who they turn to if there's a problem. So for example, if I, have, uh, if I go to my doctor and the, my doctor is not familiar with reference-based pricing, who do they call so that we can educate their doctor on how the plan works, how they're going to get paid? Um, if the patient receives a balanced bill, uh, you know, who do they call to help them with that? And and speaking of the balanced bill, that's really, I think, most people's biggest concern. It's with the rep- biggest issue they have. Right. What's going to happen to my employees? Are they going to get a balanced bill? And then if they don't pay attention to it and they throw it in the trash, and the next thing you know, we've got a collection agency right. knocking on their door. Right. So education is a huge piece of that. Mm-hmm. But talk about how you guys get between mm-hmm. the, the, the employee and the provider to get that problem solved. Right. So there's... <clears throat> 
two broad schools of thought in reference-based pricing. The uh, there's one school of thought is you know we're going to pay the providers a, a, a multiple of Medicare, and then if uh, uh, the provider balance bills the patient, we're going to fight them from a legal perspective. Uh, I'm not a fan of that, even though I'm a lawyer myself. Uh, hiring an, you could have gone without saying that, right? Well, you <laughs> don't tell any lawyer jokes. Go ahead. <laughs> hiring a lawyer uh, for someone is is not a great solution. And and when you think about six degrees in in our DNA, we are accustomed to partnering with hospitals. So the reality of our solution is the largest majority of hospitals accept our uh, reference based payment, and we never hear a peep from them. Okay. There's a small fraction of hospitals that do object to reference-based pricing. And when, when those hospitals pop up and, and we find out about it from, from our members, we're reaching out to them about partnering with them. And one of the things that, that you know, I want to talk to a hospital CFO about is just to give them this example. Let's say that you're a hospital CFO and you have a contract with Blue Cross Blue Shield or, or some one of the big bukas. And they send one of their patients to you uh, to get a CT scan, okay? You're a hospital, you bill, let's say, four or $5,000 for that CT scan. Yep. And the network reprices it. Uh, and then they go back and they tell the hospital, this patient has a high deductible health plan. You have to go collect $2,000 from the patient. Okay, now when you stop and, and look at that transaction, one, it's a bad experience for the patient. Very bad. They, they're on the hook for $2,000 uh, for a procedure. They, they could have got cash price for less than $1,000. Um, it's a bad experience for the hospital. They have uh, to try to collect on a, a big patient responsibility. And if you look at the data, hospitals are horrible at collecting on, yes, on patient are. balance bills. So, and, and that's part of why hospital prices are, have been driving up over the years because deductibles keep getting higher, <clears throat> bad debts growing, and hospitals need to keep raising their prices to start cover the cost. Exactly. Yep. So, so, so a couple of things there, Heath, that are interesting I want to go back to. Number one, uh, Scott said, eliminate the network. Now, immediately it scares the hell out of people because you're eliminating the network. But the other piece of that that I think you know, uh, it changes the way this gets done, the way you guys do it, and the way some of the other folks out there do it is the partnership issue. So how, you know, obviously that's different than what we see. Um, so how does the employer get comfortable with, okay, we're going to eliminate the network? Um, talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, kind of piggybacking off where, where Scott finished up there is that we'll engage in that negotiation with, with the hospital system. So we're not coming at them with this legal argument or this legal battle but looking for ways to partnership. And that may come in the form of that negotiation. It also may come in the form of direct contracting. So we can then offer the hospital something that they weren't getting before. If that high deductible plan where they weren't collecting, we now have the ability to uh, save a significant amount of money for the plan, which allows them to improve their benefits. And then we can get that payment made to the hospital in, a, in quick fashion. And so that's where reference-based pricing under the six degrees model really shines is our ability to show value to the hospital system um, bring them the payment that they're looking for at a fair and reasonable price, and ultimately provide the ability to direct contract with that hospital system. So then we can go back to that plan and say, you know what, we put together a direct contract in your market. We can put together incentives in your plan document that are going to motivate your individuals to use those services. So you've eliminated balance billing altogether. 
and the hospital has increased their utilization. So it's a win for everybody. And, and that's the key to this thing, Scott. Yeah. The, the, the key to the thing, direct contracting is a piece that I think works really well because it's win-win, just like Keith just said. So the hospital wins because the employer's got 150 employees, and if they go to the hospital that's direct contracted, there'll be no deductible, no coinsurance. Everything is waived. All you do is walk in, get your hip replacement, your knee replacement, your gallbladder surgery, mm-hmm. whatever it is, okay, and the deal's done. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to going to the other two or three hospitals in that particular city where none of that's going to happen. Yeah. So it, it eliminates all of that and gets rid of the whole discussion about uh, uh, balanced billing, correct? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to summarize, again, getting back to that conversation we want to have with the hospital CFO, to summarize the benefits to a hospital, one, we can uh, eliminate their bad debt exposure by eliminating deductibles, Right we can uh, create incremental volume for them because we're not going to go contract with every hospital in the market. And we can lower their admin costs because they're not having to hire people to go out and chase balance bills and patient responsibility. So th- there is a big benefit here. Um, it's a different way of, of thinking, and it does, uh, you, know, you know, you have to get to the right people at the hospital. That's, that's a critical component to build these strategic partnerships. Yeah, but the thing that I think is interesting is it's the non-confrontational approach yeah. that you have. And that is not the way years ago when all this started and a lot of other companies were doing this, or not a lot of the three right. or four other companies doing this. It was, this is what we're going to offer. This is what we're going to pay. And if they don't like it, we go to court. Yeah. Well, the problem with that was, from a practical experience, because we put that in place with a number of employers, the problem was at the end of the year, you had 30, 40, 50 open claims sitting there, not resolved, mm-hmm. being carried over into the next year and the employer's like holy cow what's going on here instead of you know approaching the provider and saying hey we can work this out you can get paid a reasonable and fair price like Keith talked about and at the same time it eliminates the whole issue for the employer and the employee absolutely and so go ahead no no you're you're exactly right I think this makes a lot of sense in fact you know just quickly getting back to you know that CFO conversation I've asked a number of hospital CFOs, if you look at your BUCA network contracts, you know, what are you collecting on those contracts after you write off your, your bad debts and patient liability? And, and often, I don't really get anybody that can give me a good answer to that. <laughs> That's uh, probably because they don't know. Right, yeah. right. All right, we're going to come back to the last thing when we come back from the break. We're gonna, I want to get into this specialty hospital thing, and I want them to talk a little bit about how do they identify where you can get the kind of specialty care you need, and how does that affect cost, and how does that affect quality? So when we come back from the break, we'll chat about that. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network. If you want more information on these folks, you're intrigued about what they do, the website, the number 6degreeshealth.com, 6degreeshealth.com. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after the break with more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. My producer, Mr. J.P. Stacy. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. We're going to wrap it up in this segment with the folks from Six Degree Health. Happy to have them in studio. I want to once again extend a warm welcome to the folks at 1250 WHNZ in Tampa Bay, Florida, Tampa Bay's Impact radio station. We're happy to have them on board as part of our radio family. All right, let's let's go to one of the things I thought was fascinating about this is when we've plugged in this program, we've done these kinds of programs, 
one of the first things that happened was the stop. We went to the stop loss carriers, and before we even done anything, just simply said we're putting it in. It's going into the plan language. We got a cost reduction, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, stop-loss carriers absolutely love reference-based pricing for obvious reasons. I mean, we're reducing medical claim costs 20 to 40%. Now, you're not seeing that type of a reduction in your stop-loss premium, but no. you are getting carriers to give some point deductions for um, uh, RBP programs that they approve. Um, but the bigger benefit from the stop-loss perspective is it's going to flatten your trend over the years. And that's huge. Right. So no more of these 10, 20% increases that you see with the network model. We, we've seen, uh, you know, typically where it's flatlined after, yeah. after oh, yeah. three years, four years, it's not unusual to see it completely flatlined. Absolutely. And it can make a huge difference. So yeah. it, it has an immediate impact and it also obviously has an impact going down the road. And yes, it can make a difference of 20 to 40%. Think about that. Think about what your claims numbers are at the end of the year. You know, we just had a renewal meeting with one of our clients in Southern Illinois and the claims numbers, you know, we were up around $4 million. Um, how much of a difference does something like this make when you're talking about those kinds of numbers? So, uh, you know, it, this can make a huge difference for you if you want information on it. Once again, the website is the number 6degreeshealth.com. All right, so there's a story, Heath, and it was, it was you. You reminded me on the break that I didn't even know. Uh, I, I remember doing this. I think we were at a Pareto conference, I mean, I'm not mistaken. Um, and we were talking about liver transplants, and you were addressing a, a breakout session. And there was a hospital in Louisiana called Oshner Hospital that I had never heard of in a million years. So why don't you tell that story? Because it's pretty interesting. Well, I think uh, a lot of people, um, you know, when you're, when you're talking about these catastrophic type events, transplant, for example, uh, it's, a, it's a scary situation. And people are used to getting their care locally. And they will take the word of that doctor uh, like gold, you know. And, and that referral that he'll send you to or she'll send you to may not be the best center. And we have the ability to look at this data and see where are the best outcomes in the country. And Oshner Clinic for many years was the number one rated liver program in the country. And a lot of people have probably never heard of it. Well, I've been doing this for 19, 20 years. <laughs> and I sure as hell never heard of it. And I was floored. when you, And that stuck with me. I mean, I think this was like three or four years ago when you did that presentation. And it stuck with me because you have the ability to identify those places. It's not necessarily, you know, so the question becomes, would you rather go to a place that did 50 liver transplants or a place that did 500 liver transplants, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, it, the same can be said about, you know, hospital names. Uh, you know, you've got the Mayo Clinics. People are very aware. And as a whole, they do a phenomenal job with, with most care. But we can see down to the individual procedure. And so perhaps that, you know, HERT program isn't quite as strong at that given tr transplant center, even though they do everything else very well. And so we have the ability to see down to an individual program uh, what those outcomes look like and what the wait times look like. And that has a significant impact on the outcome uh, and experience that the member would have. And, and, Scott, that has to do with your MediV technology, I assume, yeah. correct? Yeah, absolutely. We uh, MediV is capturing not only build charge data, it's capturing cost data and quality data. And quality the, data is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the transplant world, we're, we're blessed with phenomenal quality metrics, as Heath mentioned the federal government controls organ transplant allocation, and they they demand uh, pretty extensive quality reporting from hospitals. So we can get down to graft survival, patient survival, uh, wait times, all kinds of different metrics that our clinical folks can use to help 
get that patient um, the highest quality outcome. And when you talk about Optioner, for example, not only is it a high quality centers of excellence, they're also a great partner from a financial perspective. They contract in a very responsible way. We hold a contract with them. And it's, it's a great partnership. Yeah. And again, it's like I said, you know, knowledge is everything. Knowledge is power. Okay. And the knowledge that you bring to the table is power to the consultant, to the broker, to the employer, to the TPA, whatever the case may be, so that they have access to not only, you know, we're going to make sure, one of the big fears in this whole discussion is people think, oh my God, they're going to take something away from us. Yeah. You know, I remember we were at a conference here for the State Financial Officers Foundation, of which I am a member, and there are 26 different states across the company, country, rather, mostly red states that are in this program. And one of the stories they told at the last meeting was how they went up and they had a program they wanted to put in place. And immediately the teachers union started uh, pushing back and saying, no, we can't do this before they'd even had a chance to explain how it was going to work. It was going to have no impact on them whatsoever in terms of their cost, you know, their re- what they were getting in terms of benefits or anything else. So the key yeah. here is to making sure that, that, that the employer and the employees understand we're not taking something away. We're actually going to improve. Yes. Yeah. Oh, ac- absolutely. And in fact, what we're seeing a lot of broker consultants and plans do is is improve benefits. You know, we Correct. talk. Yeah, we we talk about because you're you're saving and you're saving money, and you can take that money and put it back into the, your employees' pockets. So if you save, think about this, people. If you save twenty percent, let's just say twenty percent. Okay, you you, you we'll, we'll be very conservative. You save twenty percent. What would twenty percent mean to the bottom line? And what would that mean to the employees next year to be able to have that employee enrollment meeting and say, you know what, this year there's going to be any increase in the cost of health insurance, and here's why. Because we have this plan in place that's going to work, and, and, and it's going to make a lot of sense. One last thing before we wrap it up here. How important is employee education, Heath? I'd, I'd put it on the, the very top of the list. Um, when we do this, uh, we're going to work with the consultants and the TPA, and we need to put together a very good communication piece. Uh, and we've got multiple media fronts to do that with. Uh, but getting that message out to the employee exactly how this plan is going to work, what their benefits are, and one of the big things you got to address is there's not a network, so they don't have to pick a doctor go in wherever a network they want to go. They can go wherever they want. Yeah, uh, and that that's a that's a big obstacle for people to get past because they're so used to trying to figure out you know who's in my network. Yeah, and if you don't do the employee education piece, then it, the, the the chances of it working are slim and none. It just doesn't work like it should. So that's critical. If you know, I hope you all have enjoyed listening to this day and have learned something from this. I want to thank you guys for coming in all the way from Portland, Oregon, uh, to do the show with us today. The website is the number six degreeshealth.com, six degreeshealth.com. You've got nothing to lose by taking a look at this and reaching out to these folks and let them come out and talk to you about what they do and how they do it. It can make a huge difference for you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish as fools. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. 